Do you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do? Or maybe you just struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle in general. This is the Road to Health Podcast and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and interview on my show to lose 40 pounds by June 1st, 2020. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that come from traveling for business, but by working on a few key areas of my mental and physical health, I'm managing to get healthier as I go. No one needs to take this journey alone. So if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Hey guys, welcome and thank you for joining me on the road to health, which is well-traveled, well-lived. My name is Tamar, your host for this adventure. And I wanted to say that slogan today because I would like to give a shout out to one of the members of my Facebook group, Ryan Lowen. I did a contest a couple months ago where I wanted your guys' input on what my slogan should be. And so we had a ton of great ideas and it was really difficult. Um, I did not want to be the one to choose the slogan because I wanted you guys to be a part of this. So Ryan, thank you so much. It's a fantastic slogan. I've got it put on some of my apparel. So if you go to my website, www.theroadtohealth.me. There is a link under the resources page where you can go directly and purchase your Road to Health hoodie with the slogan on the back. I think it looks pretty cool, but I'm biased. So um, go check that out. Thank you again, Ryan. You definitely deserve a shout out for that. Also, I wanted to start off with a Apple podcast review shout out from one of my listeners. This one comes from Ashley M., It says, totally real and raw, such a great radio voice, easy to listen to and completely relatable. We are all in the same boat and need to take accountability and set some goals. Thank you for being an inspiration to keep pushing forward. Love these podcasts so far, Tamar. Thank you so much, Ashley. A, I'm flattered that you think I have a great radio voice because I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but whenever I hear myself on a recording or a video of myself, I always thought I had a very nasally voice. So that is a huge compliment. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you're inspired. I hope that you're having an amazing journey yourself. And, you know, keep listening. I do this for you guys. I, you know, want to inspire you guys to take your own journey and join me. And let's all do this together. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, make sure you come check that out and you can be a part of this journey as well. Guys, this interview could not have come at a better time. As you know from my last episode, I talked about my struggle on my holiday, even though I did some, um, I had some wins. I also really came to the realization that um, I really have an issue with carbs and sugar. And once I start consuming them, I have a difficult time stopping or keeping it balanced or maintaining. So today I get to interview Robert Sykes. You may know him as Keto Savage. He is very well known in the keto world. He's the founder of Keto Savage and the Keto Brick. You probably have heard me talk about it. I have posted it as well. As you know, I was part of the Meat and Bricks Challenge 
in January, and he was one of the coaches along with Danny Vega and Adam Shibley. The three of them were absolutely amazing. So I'm really honored that I got to interview Robert today and really talk to him about the ketogenic diet. So as you know, and I said I was going to suck up my pride and eat that humble pie last episode, I really need to do something about uh, the way I feel about carbs and my relationship with food. So I decided to join his 90-day course. It is called Deeper State Keto. So if you're interested, make sure you check that out. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes because um, I know that it's hard to remember from the beginning of the episode. So make sure you check out the show notes. If you're interested in that 90-day course, you can click on there and sign up. Within that course, there is also Mega and Matt from Keto Connect. They have some fantastic recipes. So this... um, This course challenge is really not boring. Uh, There's a ton to it and they give some great information. I can really relate to them and the way they feel. They take us through their journey when they did this course as well. So make sure you check it out. You can also go to their website. It's www.ketoconnect.net and find out more about them and get some fabulous recipes. Anyway, let's get into this interview with Robert. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Welcome everyone. I'm super pumped today and I have Mr. Robert Sykes, uh, aka Keto Savage on my show. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. So you are the founder of Keto Savage as well as the Keto Brick, which is part of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So why don't you start uh, and tell us about yourself and what inspired you to develop such a passion for keto? Ooh, that's a, that's a loaded question right there. <laughs> um, well, I've been bodybuilding for like 10 years. So fitness has always been a pretty big part of my life. But prior to keto, I was following just a traditional, you know, quote unquote, bro dieting approach where you're eating every two or three hours, uh, six or seven meals a day. And it just wasn't really sustainable for me. I was, you know, my life revolved around food. It revolved around when I was going to eat and what I was going to eat. And I, I became really obsessive about it. I would fixate on it. And as a result, I developed a bunch of eating disorders and it just really was not, it wasn't going good. Like I was in a dark place. I was pretty depressed there for a while. And I recognized that there had to be a better way. So I started dabbling in just all these different kinds of diets. I fell into something called carbohydrate backloading, which is basically keto during the early part of the day. And then you eat a bunch of really high glycemic index carbs at night and I actually responded pretty well to that. But I mean, you can only eat a bunch of high glycemic index carbs, such as like cookies and brownies for so long before you recognize, okay, this probably isn't the healthiest thing to do. Right. Uh, so I I just removed those carbs entirely. And I noticed that I felt better. And, you know, keto was not popular at all at this point. There was no, you know, data or research on the internet. There was no podcast or books where I can kind of like figure out what I was doing. So I just kind of started doing some self-experimentation And, you know, lo and behold, figured out that this was, in fact, keto. And after that, I mean, the rest was history. I've been keto ever since. That was five or six years ago now. And it's totally changed my life. And it's impacted me in such a positive way and been so liberating from my relationship with food that I've just wanted to, to help illustrate that and educate and inspire others to find that in themselves. Right. And now you mentioned you're a natural bodybuilder. Have you Mm -hmm. found that, um, following keto has actually, you know, made you better and excel even on a a bigger scale? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, there's, there's so many different nuances when it comes to nutrition manipulations uh, for natural bodybuilding. I mean, when I was doing a bro diet approach, I would have my protein very high and my dietary fat very low. And then as you taper your calories going towards a competition, I mean, you totally tank your hormones. My testosterone was in the tubes. Um, I lost a ton of muscle. I just felt exhausted. I felt like a zombie at all times. Whereas now, you know, I'm in a contest prep as we speak. I've been prepping for 15 weeks and I feel I'm like a million bucks. I feel great. I don't even feel like I'm in a prep, but I've lost body fat. I've gained muscle. My hormones have all stayed stable. Like everything's improved. It's just a much healthier approach to the sport of natural bodybuilding. Right. And I mean, we all just did, went through the meat and bricks challenge, which thank you for setting that mm-hmm. up with, um, with the other guys. Um, but you know, seeing you prep for your competition while you're doing uh, meat and bricks was pretty inspirational. What, what got you started on, you know, the carnivore like, or, you know, into that? So I just kind of like, you know, the, the more deep you get into keto, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of times people just start removing things. Like when you first start keto, you, you know, you eat all these keto lookalike foods, all these carb lookalike foods, all the cookies, mm-hmm. keto cookies, the keto pizza, the keto cakes and cheesecakes. I mean, you just try to make and mimic everything you can. But then the more adapted you get, the longer you've been adapted, you start to crave those things less and less and you start just letting them taper out. And for me personally now being strict keto for five, six years, I've noticed that I don't really see any inherent benefit from introducing a lot of vegetation. You know, every once in a while I get a craving for a salad, so I'll have that. But for the most part, I don't really like a whole bunch of greens. I just, like they bloat me. I just don't feel optimal. Mm -hmm. But with a really high nutrient dense, you know, meal consisting of animal-based proteins and using the keto break to kind of help regulate my dietary fat intake, I feel great consistently. My performance is consistently improved. I mean, it just takes the guesswork out of things. And I've got a lot of things in the in my life right now, a lot of businesses that I'm trying to grow. I've got employees. I've got just a lot of chaos. And yeah. having all those variables removed and just focusing on what works and just not having to you know, have a bunch of guesswork when it comes to my nutrition has been liberating. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. I I think for myself, I really struggle with my relationship with food because I've done it before, so I know what I should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just recently listened to your interview with Dr. Robert um, Sivis and, you know, it, I had one of those aha moments and, you know, we briefly talked about this before, but, um, you know, that's something I still struggle with and now even more so because I travel for business. So I decided when I got back, because I, I heard that interview to join um, your deeper state of keto uh, because I realize now that I, I've always known that it's not kind of one shoe fits all when it comes to lifestyles and what you eat. But mm-hmm. for someone like myself that comes from a world of addiction, it certainly is. And like you said before, when you were obsessing about food, when I was eating clean, I was working out six, seven days a week and I was really, I was weighing everything and I was diligent but almost too much so that it was just taking over my whole entire life. Um, so I guess what I would love to know is for someone that travels and, you know, a lot of my audience are people who travel for business and trying to stay healthy. How can keto help in that aspect? So it's interesting because a lot of people just assume that you can't really be keto when you're traveling 
or they assume that there's not really many keto options at a restaurant when that could not be farther from the truth. I mean, keto while traveling is so much easier than people make it out to be. I mean, when I, I do a ton of traveling as well, like I'm constantly going to conferences or competitions or just, you know, different events. And if I'm in a contest prep, like if I'm actually striving for a specific goal, that's got a, you know, a defined date, then I'll bring all my food. Like I'll bring all my prepped meals, but I'm only eating one meal a day. So it's pretty easy to bring, you know, a Tupperware of one meals, one day's worth of food. Um, if I'm not prepping and I'm just trying to make it more, you know, sustainable, kind of more socially easy, then I'll just go to whatever restaurant, whatever thing. I'll, sometimes I'll go to a grocery store that's close by to a hotel or Airbnb that I'm staying at and I'll just stock up on whatever meat uh, that I want to eat. Um, I'll typically fly or travel with a bunch of keto bricks because then I can easily get a good fat source in. But when it comes to like eating at a restaurant, I mean, you can, I, I tend to gravitate towards more of a carnivore approach at a restaurant because you never really know what's in the sauces and you know, some of the seasonings they're using. But if you're going with just a good, you know, steak with some butter, it's hard to really mess that up. Right. Yeah. I noticed that when I was traveling, if I would have stuff like ground beef at a restaurant, that really affected me in a negative way because my guts just couldn't take it. But if I had steak, then it was okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of restaurants, they'll use like a, you know, a vegetable oil or soybean oil or something to cook with, which isn't optimal, but that's still, you know, like on the, the, the few occasions that you have that, that's not really going to, you know, set you back that much. Whereas if you're eating a bunch of, a bunch of restaurant foods that have all kinds of sauces and just unknown seasonings, you don't really know. But if you're just getting a steak that's occasionally cooked in a soybean oil, then you know, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And I find, so I have tried the keto brick. I actually bring it with me when I travel for business now. Um, what inspired you to develop the keto brick? How did that come about? So I feel pretty proud about how it all came to be because <laughs> it, it makes me seem like I'm not like just this salesy person because I, I definitely don't ever want to come across as that because I'm not a salesy person. Yeah. Um, so I made the keto brick without ever intending to make it into a product that was sold. I made it during my first keto competition prep simply as a way to help me, you know, get the macros in without having to cook anything in a, in a shelf stable form so that I could, you know, at the time I was broke, I was working four jobs and I just needed to be able to make meal prep easy. So I was formulating these different, you know, bricks and like the first couple of generation bricks did not look anything like they do today. <laughs> uh, they're pretty hideous. But, you know, I made this thing and I, I had it on a YouTube video because I was documenting my prep and people kept asking in the comment section, you know, what is that? How can I make it? Where do I buy it? And I just, you know, kind of wrote it off. Like, oh, it's just nothing. It's something I'm working on. Um, it's called the keto brick. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, lo and behold, that just kept happening month after month. I kept getting all these inquiries for it. And my mom, of all people, was like, Robert, you got you to gotta make this into a product. All these people want this stuff. And I'm like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And then my girlfriend at the time, wife now, Crystal, she's like, let's just dive in and see what comes of it all. So that's what we did. She started diving into, you know, the health department, what all we have to do to be up to rules and regulations there. I started diving into what it would take to have a food product, a physical product that, you know, shipped across state lines, you know, creating this in a certified kitchen space and we just rolled up our sleeves and got to work. And next thing you know, we've got, you know, our, my, my cousins, my brother in there helping us. We're renting out this kitchen space by the hour. We're traveling all night long to get there make a bunch and drive back. And then we upgrade to this warehouse space that we have now. And now we've got several employees and I just, I have to pinch myself every day because it's like, this isn't even real. I feel like I'm in a dream, but it's amazing. I'm so blessed, so proud and so happy to be a part of this. 
Yeah. And it's, it seems like it's a family affair for you because your wife also follows keto and has she always uh, been doing keto or is this something you guys did together? So I met her when I moved to Washington state and I, I moved into a house about two blocks down from where she was working. And uh, she was at a barista at a coffee stand and I started drinking more coffee because they just keep <laughs> working there. And she wasn't working out at the time. She wasn't really healthy. I mean, she honestly was like smoking. She wasn't really like the, the a picturesque version of health by any means. Mm-hmm. And I was big into, uh, you know, training, but I wasn't big into keto at the time. I didn't know what keto was. Um, but she had a bunch of gastrointestinal issues and a bunch of G- GI issues. And like she had just had surgery on that before we had met. Our first date was actually like one day post-surgery. So she was like miserable. Wow. <laughs> and the you know, as, as I started finding out about keto and getting into it and started, you know, doing some research, I'm like, Hey, you know, you ought to try this. This may be something for you. So she tried it and then she didn't last very long. She went to the whole keto flu, didn't get her electrolytes out. And then she binged on a bunch of carbs and felt even worse. So she pretty much just swore it off forever. And then after, you know, a few months of seeing me continually seeing success with it, she decided to try it again. And that second time it stuck. And now she's been doing it for I don't know, three or four years straight now. And she feels better than she's ever had before. Her GI issues have completely subsided and she feels great. Oh, that's awesome. I know I, you know, I I think, I don't know. It it was probably a few shows ago when I did an episode on the meat and bricks challenge and the first two weeks went really well. One of the things Mm -hmm. that I noticed was that my cravings for sugar were gone, um, which is a big deal for me. And um, but the, the third week when I started traveling, I was struggling with my food intake and my you know stomach just not responding well. And so I did an episode that talks about, you know, um, restricting yourself. But I think that's why uh, this, this podcast that I listened to of yours recently really impacted me because I've always tried to stick to, okay, well, the whole foods, you know, so eating healthy carbs and stuff like that. But for someone like myself, um, that's really addicted to anything that gives me instant gratification. I have to be even more careful. And that's why when I came back from this trip, I thought, okay, I got to join your deeper state of cardio course, because I think I'm just not sticking to it because I'm looking at my relationship with food as something now that I'm taking away and not just as fuel kind of thing. So I guess, you know, when you mentioned the first time it didn't stick for crystal, um, you know, how long would you say typically if someone really pushes forward and just stays consistent with it, do you start to really notice the changes? So you get to, and I think I mentioned this in that podcast with Robert Sivas, but if you remove something from your life that you deem is, you know, not good, like not contributing to the overall well-being, but then you don't fill that hole with something else, you're going to be so much more inclined to, to you know, relapse basically and go for it because you feel deprived. You feel like you've become depleted. You feel like you're restricting yourself. Whereas if you fill that hole with something in its place, you have to complete that circle basically. And for me and for anybody that I've worked with that's seen success, if we remove carbs as an example, then you have to fill that hole with something that's going to bring them more satisfaction than the carbs ever did. And for me, it's knowing and seeing and actually being able to, you know, tell a difference in how I feel and perform in the absence of those carbs. Like if you take away carbs, but you don't feel any better, then what motivation do you have for 
continually keeping the carbs out of your life. Mm-hmm. But if you stick with it long mm-hmm. enough to be able to see the, the improvement in how you feel, your mental cognition, you know, your, your joint pain subsiding, like all the positive benefits that come with sticking to a ketogenic lifestyle, hopefully you fall more in love with those positive attributes than you ever did with those temporary highs you got from the carbs. And for me, you know, I, I was able to see some pretty profound changes after a couple of weeks. Um, but the cool thing about keto is the more deeply adapted you get, the better those changes become. It's like a compounding effect, basically. So, you know, being strict keto for two weeks is amazing. Being strict keto for six months is even better. Mm-hmm. Being strict keto for six years is next level. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And when you fall in love with that long game process of it all, it makes sticking to your guns on these things that you recognize to be good for you so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this whole last week, of course, uh, you know, the analogy of only having two drinks is just insane for someone like myself. But I really noticed it when we would go to a buffet, I, you know, would try and eat lots of healthy proteins because at the resort that we were at, there was actually a, a huge selection. So if you're following the ketogenic diet, it's actually an ideal place to go. But as soon as I would have that bun or that pastry, you know, I was stuffed, but I would go up for a second helping and it just, it gets out of hand. And, you know, this morning I feel like garbage because, you know, even though I kept to my intermittent fasting and and all that, you know, I still feel terrible because I way overdid it with the carbs. Yeah. You definitely have to kind of, break through that that hump i mean like it's funny when i was really struggling with my relationship with food like i i would walk through the bakery section of a grocery store and it's weird to even say this now because it's so far from my reality currently but i i would walk through the the bakery section and it was like i was walking into a nightmare because i knew all these things were bad for me but i could not refrain from buying them and then just eating them all. Like I would buy a box of donuts and it would be gone before I got home. I mean, that was just my reality. And, you know, then I got through this phase where, okay, I could walk through that section of the grocery store, take in all the smells and it was like torture, but I, I could, I could postpone purchasing anything. I would, I would, I can make it through without buying anything. And now I can walk through that grocery store, you know, just hang out and, kick my feet up and just stay there as long as I want. It doesn't even phase me. Like it's, it's just this weird progressive thing that you have to kind of gain more perspective internally on before you can get to that level. But the longer you're able to go without, the easier it is to go without. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to that because I haven't drank for almost eight years and being in a bar, or being around somebody drinking, it doesn't even phase me anymore. But, you know, like you were saying, when you walk into, you know, uh, a bakery and the first time is hard or you go, you know, and eat it on your way home. I did that this past week. I would literally go up and put everything on my plate, walk by the pastry section and I would grab two pastries and eat them before I even got back to the table so that my spouse wouldn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that, that's a scary feeling. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you feel like you don't have control because mm-hmm. when you don't have control, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's scary, but then it's also like you, you give into it. You just let yourself go. And then you just, then you just become this, this body that just does whatever your, 
primal instinct does, but it's honestly not a good instinct most time. Um, so it's always good to like maintain constant vigilance and control. Like when, when you're like using someone that drinks is drinking for an example, you know, like you can have a drink or two and, you know, still be coherent. But when you get to the point where you're like totally belligerent, you can't even say, you know, a sentence correctly. You can't drive like you're dangerous. Like it's, it's just not a good place to be in. And that, that is just a metaphor for how many people can kind of get with, with carbohydrates. Like they go off the deep end and they just can't stop themselves. And that's just a total state of lack of control. And I don't ever want to feel like I don't have control of the situation that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't either. And that's why I think that the timing of your podcast coming out was ideal because, you know, I've always had a off and on relationship with food. So sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And that's part of why I created this podcast is to be open and honest about my journey to get healthy and trying different methods and means what works for me and then sharing my experience around that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, you know, an eye opener and I think it came at the right time. So thank you for putting out that show when you did. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it fell on, on good ears here. I'm, I'm glad that people can get something from it. And so what would you, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's either entertaining the idea of keto or how would they start? So it's interesting because a lot of people have this, you know, rip the bandaid off approach and a lot of other people have this, you know, very slow, gradual thing. And I feel like keto, to do keto the right way, you kind of have to blend the two, like rip the bandaid off in the sense of, you know, remove all the things that are not keto from your house, go hardcore, strict keto, like don't try and do these carb up days, don't try and do this cyclical keto nonsense, like go true keto. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of kind of tapering in, don't feel like you have to be 100% nose to tail carnivore, zero carb, and just like eliminate everything. Like use some of these keto, you know, carb alternative meals, like have a keto pizza, have keto cheesecake, like have some of these stepping stone foods, especially if you've been eating, you know, a carb dependent diet for so long as most people have, you know, like be able to leverage those and and know that hey, I'm still keto. I mean, you could definitely overdo those foods for sure, but it's going to be a much easier stepping stone to have those in during the initial stages until you can kind of deeply adapt and then stop craving them naturally then try to deprive yourself from them entirely. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's why when I came home, I thought, okay, I'm signing up for the program, The Deeper State of Keto, because I know for myself that when I get into these situations where something starts to feel like it's getting out of control. I know I have to do something. I know I have to reach out and I have to ask for help. And so I thought, okay, I need to take action right away, which actually is a a positive uh, thing because in the past I would have just ran with this and continued on with my carb binging for who knows how long, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. But, you know, I got home last night and today I basically emptied everything out of my cupboards. I watched a good chunk of the videos on the deeper state of keto course and I went shopping and bought all these things that you guys have suggested so that I can actually start off properly. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. I mean, that course was something that I made uh, in 2018 and it's honestly the same principle that I'm using now for my contest prep. I mean, the, the core principles are the same. I mean, that's what I use for myself. That's what I use for my clients and it works. I mean, the thing is it's, it's all about consistent, disciplined, 
effort. I mean, you have to have this dedicated, concentrated effort towards your goal. And these, you don't have crazy change in, in your, your macros. Like all the changes throughout Deeper State Keto are, you know, five grams here, 10 grams there. Like they're not monumental changes, but the simple act of consistently hitting those goals day in, day out for an extended period of time, that's where the magic happens. And it's no magic. It's just disciplined work. Right. Oh, exactly. And so I have a question um, that's, you know, partially to do with the course, but I am leaving again on Monday and I'm actually um, I'm going to hang out with Paula. She was part of our meat and bricks challenge as well and had a lot of success. So her and I were actually talking about, you know, should we start this when we get back or should we start this now? And both of us said, no, we're going to start today. Um, you know, when we're traveling, I, I'll be the first half of the week on my own and the last half of the week, but, um, or sorry, the second week. But in those times that we're hanging out together and we're going out to restaurants and stuff, how does one kind of stay in line with the, you know, 10 grams of carbs? Should we just stay away from vegetables altogether and try and keep it carnivore? Yeah, if you're in a restaurant, that's definitely going to be the easiest way to go about it. I mean, if you if you keep it pretty much carnivore at a restaurant, then you're going to be able to hedge your bets because you're going to get a lot more trace carbs in like the, the steaks and the sauces and everything at a restaurant than you would if you cooked it at the house. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to a restaurant, just try and keep it carnivore and you're still probably going to wind up getting closer to those 10 grams of carbs than you think. Right. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Um, so what are some of the key habits that you've developed, uh, you know, since you made this change that keep you consistent? So having, you know, I think a lot of people say the same thing. It's kind of like beating a dead horse here, but having a, <laughs> a good morning routine has been like just so profoundly impactful on my life. Like I wake up at three in the morning, I have a cup of coffee that I make and I start the day. I, I do a lot of my creative thinking in the morning. I meditate, I journal, I work on my clients, I work on emails, I work on just all the things that I need to do that require total focus and concentration without any distraction. Because when the day starts and everybody else starts waking up, you know, I've got my employees coming in asking questions. I've got a bunch of you know, calls, podcasts, everything. That's all great, but it, it totally inhibits your ability to have undisturbed creative workflow. And having those several hours in the morning uh, before I even work out, like I, I train in the morning too, but I get several hours before I train, before anybody else is awake, where I can just focus on the day and, and fixate on what I can do to improve the day. And that to me has been just profoundly impactful because it sets myself up for success for the entire 24 hours and then I can restart the next day. But having that, you know, proactive instead of reactive start at the beginning of every day has been huge. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I find that that has really been a game changer is, you know, taking the time to do the meditation and just kind of get in the zone. I do the same thing. And now even more so because I have this show and I have so much more that I have to do above and beyond my day job. Mm -hmm. um, so it just becomes easier to manage everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that, that people that are busy have to do in a day. And somebody that's not, you know, some that's just living the status quo, they're just doing the basics. They're, you know, kind of in this mediocre state they look at someone that's juggling a million different things and they assume that, you know, how can you do all that? There's only 24 hours in a day. You know, how do you make that happen? But if you prioritize things, if you have a structured schedule and routine that you stick with, you know, religiously, I mean, it's amazing how much you can accomplish in a day. Oh, absolutely. 
And so when it comes to, if you could give my audience, you know, people who travel and it, uh, time becomes an issue, of course, when you're traveling for business, sometimes just because of client dinners, what would be the, the three most important things you would tell them to make sure they do in a day? Um, so regarding like nutrition specifically, um, I would say health and nutrition and in general as a whole. So training, I would definitely incorporate some training, especially while traveling. Like when I'm traveling, I find, I try and stay at an Airbnb or hotel that is pretty close to a decent gym and a decent grocery store. If that's not an option, then I bring some staple foods like, you know, can of sardines, keto brick, just some things that are easy to pack and don't require refrigeration. And then I'll bring something like resistance bands. You know, you can do a, a pretty significant body weight and resistance bands, you know, exercise uh, split routine that keeps the muscles stimulated and you don't have to have access to a gym to do so. I like to bring a pair of running shoes with me so I can at least be able to get a run in wherever I'm at. Um, plus, it's, it's kind of cool to see some of the countryside when I'm traveling to a new area. Um, and then as far as nutrition goes, like, you know, feel free to meet with your clients, meet, meet with your employers, meet with these teammates, go to the restaurant, go to the event. But just because they're ordering a drink or a food item that isn't conducive to your goals, that doesn't mean you have to. Like so many people think that it's rude if you don't partake in these things with others. But, you know, that's not rude at all. Like anybody that's any, anybody that has any common sense in their head should know that, you know, people should respect you for your own nutritional goals and desires. So like if, if what is on the dinner menu is not in line with what you need to eat, then don't eat it. I mean, it's totally possible to fast for a few hours. Right. <laughs> and is there restaurants that you would recommend? Cause you said you travel a lot is if somebody is looking at getting into keto and they do travel a lot, are there specific restaurants that you try and aim for? Or do you, you know, is it just kind of random? I mean, honestly, you can, you can literally walk into any restaurant and make keto work in some degree. You know, I mean, there's a couple that there may be an exception to that rule, but for the most part, I mean, like Mexican restaurants, for instance, you can make all kinds of keto options with Mexican restaurants, just hold the tortilla, hold the rice, hold the beans. Um, I mean, you can go to any steakhouse, obviously, and be totally set. You just don't eat the rolls, eat the, eat the steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, any burger joint, you just skip the bun. Uh, obviously, a seafood house, a fish house, like any of that's going to be pretty keto. It's not very fatty. It's pretty lean, but, you know, having something that's that's fatty, you can bring with you to kind of balance out those ratios would be good. Right. So other than the keto brick, are there any other snacks that you would recommend that people bring with them? Um, maybe so that they can lean on if they don't have access to somewhere that's keto friendly, maybe? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of like the peeling nuts. Have you ever had peeling nuts? No, I haven't. So macadamia nuts are great, but peeling nuts are even better. I mean, they're like, like one ounce is 20 grams of fat for every like two grams or one gram of carb and protein. It's pretty crazy what the macros are, but incredibly buttery, tasty nuts. I'm a huge fan of those. Um, you know, canned sardines, canned oysters. Those are all like, always great. I do a lot of, um, uh, let's see here. What else? A lot of just like, I'll meal prep a lot right now. So most of my <laughs> foods are already prepped for me, but there's so many things. I mean, you can, you can also just walk into any, you know, grab and go place and get like hard boiled eggs. I mean, those are super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're sold everywhere. So you can definitely make something like that work, no problem. And so I was looking at one of the snacks that I used to eat was um, the RX bars. Those mm-hmm. are, are not keto friendly, are they? Not really. I mean, 
a lot of the keto bars are not keto friendly, honestly. <laughs> um, and we're, we're kind of in like this weird stage where keto's become popular for long enough that you get a lot of big businesses getting into the game, which is good because more people are getting exposed to keto. But at the same time, it's it's kind of coming at a cost because these companies are coming in just to make a quick buck and they're not really putting the consumer's interest in, in front of mind. And, you know, if you're getting a keto bar that says keto on it, but there's like a whole, if there's more carbs in that bar than there is fat, then it's not keto in my opinion. Like that's just, that's just not going to work. Um, so I count the total carbs. I don't count the net carb game. So that would be something to look for, but then focusing on the actual quality of the ingredients instead of just the macronutrients alone. Like you don't want to have a whole bunch of filler ingredients. You don't want to have a ton of sweeteners in there. You want to keep it pretty clean. Yeah. And that's one thing I went out this morning to go grocery shopping and I stuck to the list that, that you guys provide in the course. Um, but it's crazy how many, you know, keto this, keto that, and it's tempting to reach for those items. And I, part of me feels like that's why maybe I felt like keto kind of had a bad rap because it's like, well, I'm not really sticking to whole foods, but that's not the reality of keto. Yeah. I mean, I definitely try and gravitate to like a whole food quality ingredient keto based nutritional protocol but there's it's just you got to be careful because there's so many misleading companies out there that are just slapping a keto sticker on things and calling it keto friendly but that's when it kind of becomes cool because you you have to learn you have to learn what these ingredients are like you have to learn what these different things and how they impact your body you know test blood glucose see how your body responds to it as an individual and then be able to make an informed decision as a consumer as to what you're going to spend the money on in the grocery stores. And, you know, you, you can, it, I mean, I take pride in the fact that I can walk up to any, any nutrition label in the, any grocery store and look at it for 15 seconds and know if it's going to be, you know, moving me closer or farther away from my goals. And I feel like that's something, that's a skill that people just need to have. Like you need to know how anything that you put into your body is going to affect your body. Mm-hmm. And do you notice now that you sleep better? Because sleep is something that I've really been focusing on now that I'm on the road. Because if I don't get enough sleep, I notice that I make really terrible choices the next day because I'm just tired and I want that quick fix of energy. Yeah, sleep is huge. I mean, honestly, having my my morning and night routine has been really good for improving my sleep quality, um, making sure that I'm hydrated. Having a really low temperature in the room has helped a lot. I got one of those weighted blankets that seems to have made a difference. I wear my blue light blocking glasses because I do a lot of computer work up until I go to bed. Um, so that's also helped. I also have been taking this magnesium and not all magnesiums are created equal. I've been using one from this company called upgraded formulas. And that's like, every time I take that, I notice that my, I actually dream like I never dream. And then I'll take that and then I'll have like the most vivid dreams imaginable. So I feel like I'm getting, you know, just a, a deeper high quality sleep there. So, you know, kind of playing around with some of your electrolytes, magnesium, sodium, potassium, um, kind of getting that dot in, that's going to have a pretty profound impact on your sleep quality. Okay. Yeah. And I'll do that. And so what do you suggest then um, kind of the time period? Is it different for everybody like eating closer to when you go to sleep or, cause I like to eat, you know, usually at about five ish mm -hmm. and then I go to bed at about eight, eight thirty. Yeah, so I noticed that if I eat a big meal right before I go to sleep, I feel a little bit more tired and I think I fall asleep a little bit more quickly, but the quality of that sleep is diminished. 
Whereas now I'm only doing one meal a day, which you don't have to do by any means, but that's currently what I'm doing. So I'll eat that one meal at like 10 a.m. Um, and then I don't eat again until the next day at 10 a.m. So my sleep is, you know, pretty high quality. Like I'm tracking all my sleep with an aura ring. I get about two to three hours of deep sleep. I don't get very much REM sleep. My REM sleep is pretty pitiful actually, but that's because I wake up so early and REM sleep comes into the later half of your sleep cycle. So because I'm waking up pretty early, I'm basically just cutting that REM sleep REM cycle off every, every morning. Mm-hmm. And I use the aura ring too. I actually just got a brand new one. Um, nice. But I find my deep sleep is typically only usually 10, 15 minutes. There's the odd time when I'm on the road that I might get an hour. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that, you know, starting keto will actually help with that. Do you find that, you know, being ketogenic has really helped with your sleep? Yes, it has. But it's weird because like I, I don't need as much total sleep quantity on keto as I used to when I was eating carbs. Like I can get you know, six hours of sleep on keto and feel more recovered and more energized and better than I did on eight hours with carbs. So it's not all about the sleep quantity. You want to make sure you get that sleep quality. So kind of prioritizing, prioritizing to get that deep sleep up would be important. Um, I don't know why my deep sleep is always so much higher than my REM. Typically, it's the other way around. Maybe it's because of my rising and, and sleeping times. But, you know, trying to maximize for deep sleep, I would definitely prioritize that. And how would you do that for deep sleep? Like what would you focus on, you know, when it comes to improving deep sleep? The main thing is just having like a a structure, which is definitely harder to do while you're traveling. But if you can kind of, you know, have like a hard stop or like just, just try and like prep your sleep environment in a way that's pretty consistent each time with, within reason, like what you have control over. So whether that be the thermostat in the room you know, the, the, the type of pillow you're using earplugs, honestly, earplugs are huge. Like I'll put mm-hmm. earplugs in and I sleep much, much more deeply because I don't have, even if I don't wake up, if there's like a distraction in the room, a noise, anything at all, that's, that's kind of stirring your body and your mind, even if you don't consciously wake up. So having earplugs helps. Um, and then being in complete, complete darkness has really helped us a lot as well. Right. Do you, um, I've heard that bringing a sleep mask with you when you travel helps. Do you use one or do you just, you know, keep <laughs> I don't have a sleep mask, <laughs> but I'm one of those weirdos that like there's any light in the room, like I'm throwing t shirts over top of it <laughs> and then I'll get like a t shirt and wrap it around my hand. So it's basically a sleep mask. <laughs> so you wear a, a, a mask, but just in a different way. Yeah. So if somebody ever broke in the room and I'm sleeping at some weird hotel, I would be so disoriented. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Um, One more question for you, intermittent fasting. So I have been following intermittent fasting since I think September. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this something that's ideal to go with keto? Yeah, I think intermittent fasting paired with keto, paired with resistance training is literally the trifecta that creates the fountain of youth. Like those three things together are hard to beat. You know, you're getting the quality, you know, nutrient dense foods from keto you're able to kind of have that autophagy cell turnover, uh, you know, apoptosis with intermittent fasting. And then you're able to have that positive regenerative new cell growth and muscle tissue development with the resistance training, those three things together and you become unstoppable. Oh, that's good. So I, I just really need the third one and I'm good to go. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so if my audience would like to get a hold of you and learn more because 
you have uh, a ton of information and the course Deeper State of Keto, I've dug into it probably about halfway and I'm already really enjoying what I'm hearing. How could they get a hold of you? Yeah. So Keto Savage, you know, you type that in on the internet or social platforms, you'll find me. Uh, the food product is the Keto Brick. So find that anywhere on social. And then uh, Deeper State Keto is deeperstateketo.com. Any of those three and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you being on my show. I think what you're doing inspires people. Um, I love how just real you are and you're doing the natural bodybuilding and kind of leading by example. So I really thank you for being here today. Yeah, yeah. It's my pleasure. I think, you know, having these podcasts, having these conversations and just getting the word out and sharing your truth is the best thing that anybody can do to make the world a better place. So I, I appreciate you having a podcast and offering to let me come on it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. So what did you think about that episode? If you enjoyed it, some good news. I have reached out to Robert and asked him if he would do a follow-up interview with me after the 90-day course is complete and he graciously accepted. So you will get to hear um, us discuss the results of that course and how I'm doing and how I'm feeling. I really appreciated that Robert uh, came onto my show because I enjoyed talking about the relationship with food. I think you need to do what's best for you in this journey and, you know, really figure out what your body responds well to. That is why I've decided to do this course. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, just having people like Robert who have experienced what I have and being able to follow his lead is just incredible. So I remember actually when I was down at Adam Shibley's event talking to Allison Melody about the same thing. She follows the vegan lifestyle and she's super passionate about it. It's something that's worked for her. And if you read her book, Food Heals, you will also find out it's worked for so many other people. So guys, make sure you play around, figure out what's best for you and, you know, experiment on your journey. Anyway, guys, I had so much fun doing this. I'm kind of sad it's over, but until next time, enjoy your travels. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Road to Health podcast. Of course, your support means the world to me. So if you like my show, make sure you hit subscribe so you can keep up to date and not miss out on a single episode. I love to hear from my listeners and get feedback. So if you have any ideas for future shows, make sure you send me an email at info at theroadtohealth.me and be sure to check out my website, www.theroadtohealth.me where you can sign up to receive the latest news as well as get a free copy of my five tips to staying healthy on the road. You can also find all my social media links there and email information, so make sure you reach out. And until next time, enjoy your travels.